Welcome to another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. We're recording. Yeah, we are. That's very observant of we you, are? Nick. Yeah, we are. Sweet. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm one of the hosts, Joe. I'm Nick. And uh, today we're talking about something in- just incredibly depressing, uh, and that is the first Liberian Civil War. It's fucking rough. Afterwards, I kind of felt like I needed to take a shower. Um, Agreed. But like in bleach. No. That's the only thing that can make you clean after this. I think a regular shower for me would do. I'm not complaining as someone has to sit next to you all the time (laughs) in this hot box. Um, Sweating out old crow and ginger ale. Let's do that podcast thing. (laughs) (laughs) Ring the bells. So uh, uh, today we are going to be talking about one of the darkest parts of human history. Um, And I think it's full of some of the worst people I've ever read about, uh, ever done research on. Um, And also some of the absolute strangest parts of history that I kind of think gets glossed over. Um, I mean, really some of the stuff is so awful. I almost want to start with some kind of disclaimer or warning um i know we, we normally delve into some pretty dark shit um but it's mostly our humor not like the yeah. actual subject matter um this one's really hard to scrape some type of humor out of yeah it really is i'm gonna say we we just didn't um <laughs> <laughs> i mean we, we might come up with something i don't know we're swinging for the fences here yeah. um so we're gonna talk about the stuff in depth um this thing includes but is not limited to murder rape genocide mutilations crimes against children cannibalism and sometimes all of them at once um but to understand this you know the madness that we're talking about to understand um liberia and its current form and the liberian civil war all this stuff's kind of integral you can't skip over it um it's kind of like talking about World War II without the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, so, but to understand all of this madness, you have to uh, kind of understand where Liberia, where Liberia started, um, and that is uh, that it began its existence as an idea by the American Colonialization Society in the mid 1800s. Um, you see, by then there had been enough uh, freeborn uh, Black Americans and freed slaves. Um, they began to find themselves in a society that um, hated them. And their numbers are rising, which led to enough of pearl-clutching rich white people to get together and decided that these poor souls are just never going to get fair treatment um, in the States. And their only hope was to just kick their sorry asses back to Africa, where they came from. Yeah, always seen as second-class citizens. Yeah, we're not citizens at all. Um, And this is before the Civil War, so there's not like millions of free uh, blacks wandering the streets or anything like that. couple couple thousand tens of thousands um too many 
Yeah, too many. Just too many for Jebediah and his clan yeah. to deal with. Um, so this is like if your drunk racist uncle from Thanksgiving who uses words like colored and thugs about football players actually began to form governmental policy. So in 1822, around 20,000 free black Americans were put on ships and sent back to Africa, just like your friend with the lifted truck and the 3 percenter stickers has always dreamed of. Mola <laughs> Uh, now this is stupid right from the get-go. By this time, the slaves uh, in the United States were hardly coming from Africa in droves. Most of these people were born into slavery in America and had uh, no connection, no understanding, no nothing of the culture and society that right. they came from in, in the continent of Africa. Yeah, all they knew was their slave life, essentially. Yeah, like, the slave culture that sprung basically. up. Um, and, you know... You know, we're not obviously saying that, like, freeing them was bad. That's not an argument oh, that yeah. we have here. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but they're literally being sent back to somewhere that uh, was a completely foreign land. Um, it would be like if, you know, ICE kicked on my door tomorrow, told me to pack my shit, and I was getting sent back to Armenia. Which is fucking insane. Yeah, I have no connection. Because then I'd be sitting there like, oh, yeah, send them back. Yeah. I don't need to go anywhere. I'm good. Yeah, thankfully, uh, to uh, Mexican-Americans, that doesn't happen. Yeah, thank um, God. That's nothing Nick ever has to worry about. Um, but, you know, that was part of the rationale behind America's really only real foray into African colonialism. These savages had been raised in America, and though they weren't equal to us whites, they could spread our wonderful philosophy of liberty and freedom to the savage continent. Um, that That's what these fine folks in ACS thought. Um, so the newly freed men and women settled in what is now modern-day Liberia. But I also want to tell, there's a lot of acronyms being thrown around during this episode. Oh, yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot. And we're, we're just going to shotgun them at you pretty yeah. much all at once later on. Um, because you don't have to understand them, because we don't understand them, because we, they don't understand them. Nobody understands Nobody. <laughs> um, it's okay. Um, the people of the ACS were proven kind of right um, in that Liberia elected its first president. Um, you know, there's not exactly a lot of records about how free this first election was, but free enough, I guess. Um, a rich man <laughs> who was born into freedom. He was it's never a slave. Like free? Eh. With an asterisk. Yeah. Um, named Joseph Roberts, became Liberia's first president. They modeled their flag after America's, and their capital, Monrovia, is named after a former American president. Isn't it just a star in the blue section? It's Yeah, it's it's red and white stripes with a, a star instead of, like, the 50 stars. Right. Just one star. Yeah, it's just one star. Yeah. Um, they lack originality. Now, um, then their only political party, I mean, this is a one-party state all the way up until the 1980s, um, was called the True Whig Party, obviously named after the for one of the first political parties in the United States, the Whig Party. Um, the these people would eventually be known as the Amero Liberians, and uh, they learned one more important terrible name. Yeah, I guess it's they could not just, a good name. It's like a terrible band name. They could just call them Americans, uh, settlers, maybe colonialists. <laughs> um, so they learned one more important lesson from their American masters, though, and that was how to deal with all these pesky natives. The land they bought from the ACS uh, for the purpose of colonization was inhabited by dozens of native tribes uh, who were made second-class citizens by their new overlords. The Amero-Liberians oppressed, enslaved, and murdered the tribes until they quickly gained dominion over them. 
um, the native Liberians were banned from political and economic power for generations. The slavery and brutality was actually so widespread that the League of Nations made note of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a great name. You, you just think of it because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Great movie. <laughs> <sighs> and I'll only say that because it's a bad movie, which makes it a great It's like movie. one of the worst. It's not one of the worst. You're right. It might be the worst. You like Chappie. Um, Get fucked. It's a. It's better than. Le- it might not be a good movie. It's better than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'd rather watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen than some fucking. I'd rather robot. watch your mom. I think a lot of people, <laughs> honestly, at least the next box live. Yeah. Um. So uh, this economy fueled by slave labor eventually made the Liberian economy one of the fastest growing in the world. It's weird. It's almost like having a massive legion of unpaid laborers is like really, really good for your economy um, because you don't have to pay them shit. Yeah. Um, so Liberia declared independence. Pennies on the dollar. Yeah. So uh, what's the uh, the cost of all this? Mm, nothing. They have to throw rice at them every once in a while, I guess. I guess you can call that like a, a hobby. What, slaving? Yeah. Slaving Back is a in hobby. The day. Back in the day, it probably was. Uh, well, are you saying the slaves were a hobby? Having slaves? No, that was definitely a job. Having slaves? Yeah. They made money for you. Yeah, I feel like it was also probably a hobby to them. I don't know if it's a hobby. To them, it could have been. We don't know. I'm pretty sure it was all commercial-based. Nobody's just owning people for funsies. <laughs> we don't know this. We do, though. There's papers. I feel like some people are probably like, hey, check this one out. Like, yeah, it was free trade. I'm not, I'm gonna move on here. Let's do. I'm that. gonna leave this one in the dirt. <laughs> um, so there's now a lot of text accounts and anecdotes at play that uh, kind of put Liberia some kind of democratic gem through in the middle of uh, African turmoil, uh, and it really couldn't be further from the truth. The True Whig Party was the only legal party in the country, like I said, until 1980, and natives had zero saying anything. It's kind of like an apartheid state. Um, and power wasn't elected as much as just passed on. Um, whoever was president could just keep running for elections until they died, and they often did. Um, which brings us to one William Tolbert. William Tolbert became president in 1971 after his predecessor died, uh, as is tradition. So uh, how do you gain that type of power? Like, um, well, I know. How, do you, how are you next in seat? I know William Tolbert's uh, connection to power was that he's from rich family, okay. um, which is kind of a thing that you see from throughout history. Right. Um, be from a rich and powerful family, and things just kind of happen for you, especially in a slave apartheid state. Um, like maybe they just picked, hey, who owns the most people? And that's how they won the election. That's me. <laughs> oh, I own 15. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, he was a bit of a liberal in that uh you know a liberian liberal which just means he would admit that the native population had a harder life than the amero liberians um and if that is uh if that is the stretch of a liberal in liberia holy like, shit it doesn't seem really hard to admit it does um it's a lot like um nowadays where you see people just just completely unable to accept that people who live in like inner cities and what people call ghettos are have like a harder life and it's racially based um 
Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, because like yeah. they don't, they cannot possibly understand what people are going through because they didn't have to go through it. They they cannot and will not put themselves in somebody else's shoes. Okay, no, yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. I lived in the inner city. Yeah, so. I, I grew up in a, a white trash hood, and um, you know, I ran to a lot of people that, you know, me pointing that out that like, hey, no, some people. Um, they really have it harder, and a lot of it's due to uh, racial economic reasons. And suddenly, I'm some kind of social justice warrior, communist. No, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you're the snowflake, apparently. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can talk. The different don't podcasts. Don't get into it. Um, so uh, Tolbert also made one more progressive uh, movement, and that was allowing the creation of another political party, um, the Progressive Alliance for Liberia, or the PAL. Or else call them our pals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real nice way. To Don't worry. They won't stick around long. Um, he was from a prominent family, like we said, and benefited immensely from the way things were and hired most of his family into cabinet positions, which thankfully we have never seen that in America, no. especially of not like, not. say, 2016. Yeah. Uh, as fucked as the whole situation was, most people actually just turned a blind eye to it because uh, the economy is so strong and is booming pretty much held aloft by one bumper crop and that was rubber um the entire economy was pretty much rubber based um and as recent history in venezuela and um some parts of the dakotas have showed us if you have an entire economy based on one product uh you're gonna have a hard time yeah uh, you're, <laughs> you're not gonna, gonna have a bad time <laughs> Um, <laughs> I fucking love that episode. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so in the mid-1970s, rubber collapsed, uh, taking the entire economy with it. Tolbert, in response, trying to fill uh, the government's coffers so they can continue to fund what little programming they had, raised a tax on rice to replace the money. Um, seeing how the vast majority of the population survived on rice, this was not a good idea. No. <laughs> um, our pals quickly organized <laughs> a demonstration uh, against the measure. And uh, in a level-headed response, Tolbert just banned the entire party. Uh, these guys were around, like, less than a year. <laughs> Your pals are fucking gone, dude. And I would just like to point out, in um, less than a year of existence, this political party had did more for people uh, than any in the preceding 100 years of the country, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, helping people is, like, a, a fucking terrible thing to do in that country. No, Holy you, fuck. You swiftly just get annihilated yeah. for it. Um. It was then on April 12, 1980, that members of the Liberian Army, led by a master sergeant named Samuel Doe, launched a coup. Samuel Doe was a member of the native Kral tribe, and he and his supporters quickly took the presidential palace. They swiftly executed Tolbert and his cabinet, meaning he did a quick family cleansing of the Tolbert family tree and dumped their bodies in a mass grave. <laughs> did some tree removal. Yeah, just did some, some quick, shearing. Some quick arborist work. <laughs> Cuban arborist. Now that there's a lot of evidence pointing that the U.S. actually had a hand in this, and it makes a lot of sense, Tolbert was about to accept aid from Libya and Cuba and the uh, USSR because this is, you know, the uh, 80s. Uh, USSR will pretty much throw money at anybody who is willing to look at a copy of the Communist Manifesto. It's like a a blank check. It's almost like some of the cults going to the... To the communists saying, hey, we support communism. Will you support us? Right. And they'll actually look into them. Yeah. And with- the Soviet Union was so desperate for, like, anything that looked like 
um, like a sphere of influence increase, like in Africa, especially they did it all over Africa, that they wouldn't look too much into anything. Like, yep, yep, here's some money. Have some tanks and airplanes and shit. Uh, fucking AKs growing trees. Communism is great. And, um, so um, as you can imagine, um, being even remotely accessible to communist ideas makes you a target for our friends in the CIA. Um, this is paired with eyewitness accounts of the attack on Tolbert's palace that stated they saw several white men among those soldiers. Um, so pretty much everything points to some good old fashioned CIA regime change. Where did they see <laughs> They They said they saw white gunmen. Um, obviously there's no evidence of this other than eyewitness testimony. And, you know, obviously eyewitness testimony is incredibly fallible. Uh, but Occam's razor says there's a good chance the CIA is involved. There hasn't been a regime change in like 50 years that may have involved a leftist being deposed. The CIA wasn't involved in. Right, right, right. It's, Can we go on a, uh, it's kind of their thing. Can we go on a really, 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 really far limb. Aliens. That or albinos. It was not albinos. I can, from a distance, squinting could have been. So, it, you know what? I'll give this to you. If Samuel Doe is leading an army of people with cataracts who did not wear their corrective lenses, maybe albinos. But squinting? At the same time, uh, tribal religious beliefs in the area make albinos something oh, that yeah. you eat yeah that's true huh? so they're endangered kind of <laughs> all right so aliens are a better option i'm not saying it was aliens but i'm, I'm saying aliens, aliens. <laughs> yeah this is two episodes in a row now we brought up aliens I'm let's start- keep it moving <laughs> i'm starting i'm starting to think we're not credible um so as most strongman cool- we're almost like the history channel <laughs> <laughs> and now we just need a pawn shop named like <laughs> i don't know i was trying to make a an oral sex joke about TVs, and I couldn't think of one. I can't think of one either. I'm I not... feel like lines led by donkeys is enough. <laughs> oh, I'm not going into that. <laughs> um, so as most strongman coup leaders go, uh, Doe tossed away his country's constitution, banned political parties, or at least the one that was left, and created a military junta that he would lead, at least for a little while. In 1985, he ordered an election and promptly became the first native Liberian president. Though the election was so fraudulent, it was almost comical, and he ended up winning something like 113% of the popular vote. What? I believe that's like where the fraudulent part comes from. I mean, it's not like, you know, there's no international minders on the whole thing. It was just, you know, Doe probably just had his entire tribe go out and fucking vote five times a piece. Yeah, 100% cool. Where do you get the 13? 100%? Nobody's winning 100% of any vote. You, You could put out a vote tomorrow that said, ice cream is good. And you'll win maybe 60% of the vote. No, but, you know, I'm, like, fraudulent, yeah, 100%, sure. Where the fuck do you get the 13? Uh, zombies. I don't know. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, but because he was anti-communist, he won the support of the United States government, who lavished tons of aid money on him. At least for a few years. This being the 1980s, the U.S. had to tighten its belt a bit and started cutting off aid um, unfortunately for Liberia, they were one of the targets for cuts. Doe had been using the money to bribe people that could possibly be his opponents and building things that could distract people uh, from him 
outright stealing money, nepotism, and favoring his tribe more than virtually anybody else in the entire country. Um, once the money was gone, now they have virtually no rice, they have no rubber, and now they have no money. Um, people started to think of dough as the reason for all their issues. Probably were mostly yeah. right. Um, it didn't take long for the descent to turn violent. Soon, the former head of the Liberian army, a guy named Thomas Quinawapaka, um, who had actually originally backed Doe during the Civil War, uh, but almost immediately afterwards, he got demoted and had to flee for his life to Sierra Leone. Uh, Quinawapaka didn't take the demotion sitting down. He whipped up a base of support in Sierra Leone, which does actually have a sizable Liberian diaspora and uh, covertly entered Liberia in the middle of the night with his sight sent on Doe's head and the presidential palace. Unfortunately, that base of support he whipped up <laughs> was about 12 guys. That's all you fucking need, dude, as long as you believe. Guys. That's not even an entire squad. As long as you believe, man. Well, believing didn't get him very far. Uh, they were all one captured. guy didn't believe. <laughs> they were all captured, mercilessly tortured, mutilated, torn apart, and eaten. Yes, eaten by Doe's Kron tribal soldiers. To make matters worse, Doe decided that because the general took part in this attempted coup, his entire tribe must have been involved, which clearly they were not because he's only able to get 12 people to support him. And he waged an outright genocide against the Geo and Mano ethnic groups. So for all you people that know, uh, this is a form of mass punishment, as some, some viewers may know of, others may not. You may see it in a large formation of uniformed soldiers. It's a it's a pretty common tool for people who don't know how to control a situation and they find themselves. Yeah. They basically just blame it on everybody else. It can't possibly be my fault. It must be everybody else's. Exactly. Um, now everybody gets fucked. Except me. Uh, as you can imagine, the outright ethnic violence combined with those obvious favoring of his own made Liberia just the bonfire waiting to get lit by a match. That match's name was Charles Taylor. Taylor, an American-educated former government worker who had been fired for embezzlement shortly after Doe took power, though he was originally a Doe supporter, um, actually had dual citizenship with the United States. So when he saw Doe coming for him, he simply fucked off back to the United States in safety. Doe, realizing, wait, America's my ally, put on an order of uh, extradition, which the U.S. followed. Uh, Taylor was arrested and thrown in a Massachusetts jail for for 16 months. Uh, this is where things get a, l- a little weird. It's fucking great. <laughs> Taylor mysteriously vanished um, out of the jail 16 months after he was thrown in it. There is no official record of a breakout. There is no official record of his release. He's just gone. And there's a good reason for that, which we will get into later. But next time anybody sees him, he's in the Ivory Coast. Taylor popped up back in West Africa in the Ivory Coast to build a rebel army. Bankrolled by Libya and Muammar Gaddafi. And he called it the National Patriotic Front for Liberia, or the NPFL. Now, Taylor's army was not the only one operating in the area. There is a literal salad of acronyms and different army names that we are, instead of trying to tell you whose side is on what... We're just going to list them for you. Yeah, I don't even know whose side is. Because they ended up fighting each other sometimes anyway. There is no real loyalty and, here. Yeah. Uh, nobody really knows who's fighting for what. And I don't think they're actually fighting for control of the country, except maybe Charles Taylor. Because I, 
I don't think anybody actually wanted to rule over this mess at the end of this whole thing. No, they, I think they just did it just... I don't even know if they want to say for funsies. They uh, just did it for... I think they were... They had, is there a reason? <laughs> they had a hundred years of pent-up colonial rage. And <laughs> they were finally able... Like, you know, a civil war pops off because of Taylor. Um, there's a native person in charge... Taylor is not an Amero-Liberian, but a lot of his army is made up of Amero-Liberians. Um, tribal people want to get revenge for fuck having a president in office for two years right. before before a civil, another civil war kicks off. There's a lot of really so old you bad blood. Say somebody was like, "Let's rage." Kind of. It it was All like right. <laughs> so it's like when you dump a ton of gasoline on a bonfire and then throw a match in it. Like it's like you dump way too much gas on it. And he threw like a match. This in. one was just like a calm fire and somebody threw like back from my bonfire days, we threw axe body spray into a bonfire <laughs> and it took a little bit. It took just a little bit. And it just threw flames in every direction. And then all direction. of a sudden it just fucking wham so it fucking went off. Hit me with some of these army names. I'm going to hit you with some of them because there's probably a lot more. But I'll hit you with the uh, main, uh, let's say the I'm main sh- I'm going to assume that each one of these armies is a sub-army, but we're just going to tackle the big ones. Yeah, so you have what you said before was the Independent National Patriotic Front of, Lib- of Liberia, INPFL. You also have the fucking, there it is, National Patriotic Front of Liberia Central Revolution Council. That's NPFL CRC. <laughs> it's just like there's three of them. There's literally three of them With the from same the name. first one, which is the National Patriotic Front of Liberia. And then they you all have fought the each independent, other. and then you have the national. And they all fought each other. And then yeah, they all fought each other. And then I'm pretty sure the guys that were in the national fought the national guys, thinking they were probably the inter- independent guys. Well, it's not like there's any like, uniforms. Exactly. So it's like, the fuck's going on? Nobody knows. So in uh, 1989, Taylor's army invaded and officially started the first Liberian Civil War. Uh, Now, I know a lot of people don't know that there is a first and a second Liberian Civil War. That's because there was no real break. And Nick described it as a seven-inning stretch um, (laughs) where there was like... You basically have a little sing-along to take me out to the ball game, but this one's like a... Let's have a stretch, then get back to the fucking drugs and murdering and all Gen- that cool Yeah. Stuff. Generally, it's considered the, the Civil War went from 1989 to 2003, um, though it is split into two Civil Wars for reasons I'm not entirely sure of. Um, but I think did, I know they had a peace talkings. Oh, sure. There's there's peace talks about the entire thing. I know, yeah, there's peace talkings, but the mo- the biggest one that they brought up, and I'll skip ahead just for this part. Don't skip ahead. Don't go out of order. I'm only going to do it for this part because it doesn't really matter. Because it only was a few days. Then it was just like, let's keep going. Because one group didn't show up in the 90s. And I believe that was the INPFL. They didn't show up. What do you mean? They didn't show up at all to their fucking peace agreement. And then they just said, all right, let's just resume the chaos. And they kept going. That was one of the peace agreements I was reading into in the 90s. All right, moving on. But I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, so the sectarian lines through all the tribes that Doe had created um, kind of created something resembling a large-scale guerrilla war. There is no 
uh, real government soldiers. There's no real rebel fighters. Uh, everybody was just like an ununiformed swirling mass of murder and mayhem. Um, the war was a strange, irregular event with no battle lines or uniforms. Um, it's then dissolved into a loose collection of warlords that would intermittently turn against one another, but then work together, all committing rampant war crimes against one another for one or more bizarre incidents. Um, it's kind of like a thing that happens throughout um, African civil wars where like a good example is the Congolese civil wars and the Sierra Leone civil wars. The Congo civil war was so big that um, as known as Africa's world war, like it sucked in the entire continent. But even then large scale battles were kind of unheard of just these small groups independently functioning and running out against one another is more par for the course. Just more acronyms running at each other. Yeah, yeah, that nobody's really charting <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Everybody's a general. Uh, there's no real chain of command. Um, and that's another thing. Like, we're, we're going to list a few of the nicknames later on. But, um, you know, obviously we're talking about General Butt Naked mostly in this episode. But, you know, there's dozens of other generals. But there's literally no other rank ever named. There's no colonels. There's no sergeants. Yeah. It's it's like you're some heroin doing mind freak on the streets of Monrovia yeah. or you're a general. No, I feel like yeah, there's like three stages you go into. You're either the the fucking really poor kid, the child soldier, the general. You survive a couple battles, boom, you're general. Fuck, I'm 19, general? Sweet. Not unheard of. Um, not unheard of. It's not. So, which brings us to our main character for the day, Joseph Milton Blyhe, better known as General Butt Naked. Butt Naked is a member of the Sarpo tribe, which is a sub-tribe of President Doe's Cron tribe. Most of what we know about Butt Naked's early life comes from the man itself, so it should be taken with a grain of salt. Though for a man who may be lying, he never once makes himself sound good, ever. Every single time he opens up his mouth, he makes himself sound worse. And when he's done telling his story, he sounds like quite possibly one of the worst human beings to ever exist. So (laughs) I'm kind of inclined to believe that most people lie to make themselves sound good. He makes himself sound like he's, uh, like the death penalty is the only well, option for he him. He has nothing to lose. Like, he could he go already, to court. He already makes himself sound bad. Yeah, he does. What else can he lose? Nothing. <laughs> uh, so, butt naked claims that he was from a he was made a tribal priest at the age of eleven. The initiation initiation into the priesthood involved drinking a ton of hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drugs, causing wicked hallucinations. Just when he was at the peak of his trip, he participated in his first human sacrifice. You gotta grow real fucking fast (laughs) where this guy's from. It's like going to a rave and then someone's like, you're having a good time? And you're just like, like just feeling the music. And then someone's like, here, take this knife and follow me. (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? And then before you know it, you're drinking human blood. I know it's happened to me before. (laughs) No. I could speak of the first rave I went to and I was in high school and... Me and my cousin walk in, and this dude goes, welcome to the dungeon. And he takes out this fucking, like, fucking, I don't even know, fuck, I can't even think, syringe. Jesus Christ. I don't, all right, brain fart. Syringe. And it was, like, neon glowing, and he's going to stick it in our arms because he did it to the people in front of us. What was in it? I don't know, but it was fucking glowing. So, being me, at the time, I I didn't really know LA is a different planet. This wasn't LA. This was outside of LA. (laughs) But I'm from, yeah. So, well, <laughs> so my cousin, 
he, thank God he was there because if I was there, I probably would have gotten stuck. <laughs> he looked up to the guy and said, fuck off, man. <laughs> and the dude was just like, all right, dude. And we went in, we fucking partied, and we weren't hallucinating. Thank God I probably would have said I think the, the first hint should have been you're going to a party in a place called the Dungeon. It, it wasn't called the Dungeon, though. But you just said it was the dungeon. The dude said, welcome to the dungeon. That's when you run. How am I supposed to know that? Because he said, welcome to the dungeon. That's that's your cue. As a 16-year-old guy. No, as a 16-year-old guy, I still would have ran. It's the dungeon, man. As a 16-year-old guy. <laughs> How I did you curious. make it to 18 without dying? I, don't know. <laughs> I really don't. So uh, this particular rave or priesthood initiation in this case lasted three days uh that followed um he had several crazed visions all blurred together about the devil who told him that to become a great warrior he had to keep sacrificing people and eating them to increase his power his power fucking level dude (laughs) yeah and holy shit did he listen to that advice he became such a powerful priest he was appointed as the high priest of the entire tribe in charge of the spiritual well-being of everybody, um, which means he also became the spiritual advisor to President Samuel Doe, which explains how he ended up as a something of a warlord, even though he was not at all from the military. Um, eventually, Butt Naked found himself commanding his own personal army called, what else, but the Butt Naked Brigade, <laughs> which was bank, which was bankrolled by money from a warlord named David Roosevelt Johnson. Fucking little dick brigade. <sighs> General Butt Naked created an army out of a mixture of crazed, hallucinating uh, tribesmen, mercenaries from the army, and child soldiers. That's right, child soldiers. And these soldiers clearly did not enlist under their free will. They were kidnapped. Butt Naked's army would descend upon villages, any village would do, to include his own tribes, and uh, they would, without any kind of battle plan or, st- or strategy and of any kind, they would just start killing people. They would kill virtually everything that moved and then snatch up the kids. That was if the village was lucky. Like, yeah. that's like, how awful does your existence have to be to be considered lucky? Like, you just die quickly and have your children stolen from you. <laughs> like, so Wait. what would normally happen is uh, butt naked would rouse his soldiers up into a fighting spirit using sermons, drugs, and then to top it off, they would ritually sacrifice a child and drink its blood. He's not, well, not only would they drink their blood, they'd also, from what he says, was start uh, fucking cutting them from the back and then ripping their heart out from their back while they're still alive, cutting the heart into pieces and giving out to his own children soldiers so that's where mortal combat got that idea from yeah pretty much this guy except uh, somehow mortal combat was more humane just straight out the front real fast um but naked said quote most of my boys would drain the blood of an innocent child and drink it before battle end quote they would go into the village, torture, mutilate, and eat the vast majority of the civilians. They were careful to keep young boys alive to be for- forcefully conscripted into their army. The boys would then be forced at gunpoint to rape, torture, and kill their own family. Young girls would be kept as sex slaves, or when, once the fighters were bored with them, their hearts would be ripped out and eaten and uh, divided amongst the fighters, like Nick just said. One of Butt Naked's former soldiers was interviewed by vice which may be one of the more unsettling 
interviews I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh, yeah. So the kid is in this rundown shanty town of, you I... know, tin shacks, and uh, he is freebasing heroin off of like this small <laughs> piece like... of tin foil yeah. and smoking it through like a straw. It's like a metal straw. Yeah, and like he's just ripped out of his mind. Um, Dude's in fucking space and hasn't it, come down yet. It's it's kind of hard to watch, um, but he stated, "quote I made the big bellied woman, and by big bellied woman he means a pregnant woman." "quote Bend over the counter, and then I took her. Afterwards, I took my knife and I stuck her." End quote. It needs to be pointed out that stories like this are absolutely not an outlier. They are by and large an everyday part of this war. This brutality was commanded by men but committed almost entirely by children. Um, by the end of the war, 40% of all fighters taking part in the fighting were 15 years or less, which is the highest known percentage of any known conflict in human history. Um, so I guess we should probably talk about that nickname, um, <laughs> General Butt-Naked, though it's an obvious one. It was a nickname which he gave himself, which wasn't uncommon during the time. Um, increasingly, more insane warlords emerged and gave themselves nicknames like General Bin Laden, General Rambo, and Jungle Jabba. There was even a General Mosquito, and then his, his fucking arch rival, dude. <laughs> yeah, his arch rival on the other side of battle was Mosquito General Mosquito Spray. Yeah, but no, it fucking is true. Yeah, but un- and they're actually interviewed on YouTube. You can look it up. Um, but unlike other warlords but naked earned his nickname he would go into battle completely and totally naked with the exception of a pair of laced up combat boots he, and his gun and his gun uh he believed that being naked and a stomach full of children's blood would make him both invisible and invincible uh, and his enemies would not be able to touch him it would grant him the powers to capture villages by himself which the last part is true because he's attacking villages full of unarmed civilians and the majority of the time there wasn't exactly a lot of resistance going on uh his soldiers would kind of do the same thing they would sometimes decide to get real fancy like and they would choose to wear flowing floral dresses paired with wild long wigs which were actually sometimes just clown wigs <laughs> Um, it, according to General Butt Naked, it was to terrify the enemy uh, while they attacked. And as dumb as this sounds, let's put you in the situation. You're farming in your village, scratching out a terrible existence in this hell world that Liberia has turned into during the Civil War. Somewhere off in the distance, you hear hundreds of screaming voices. Um, you turn, and that's when you see a group of men on the horizon. As they get closer, you see a man who's about 6'3", and he's huge. General Butt Naked's not a small guy. Fucking He's oink. yoinked. Oink. Uh, <laughs> Dude. Uh, thicker than a snicker. <laughs> he's butt naked and covered in blood. He's screaming in tongues. His fucking troops are fucking looking fabulous. Uh, behind him, there's a legion of clown-haired cross-dressers with blood paintings on their faces, and they're carrying fetishes made of human bones. This is before they descend on your village and start eating your fucking neighbors. So I also want to say, other than them wearing, like, colorful wigs and whatnot, they'd also wear what they say is imaginary purses we looted from the citizens. Why are they imaginary? I don't know. I think he just is wearing purses. Uh, I'm I'm sure they were a man's bag. Yeah, it was just a man purse. No Um, big deal. It's a satchel. Yeah. To carry, was it friends? Joey just had a satchel full of sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I said before, there was very few, if any, pitched battles. Um, so, but naked's 
insane blood drinking genocidal rampage was, and this is going to hurt to say, it was integral to Samuel Doe's war effort. Um, so Doe had no, I mean, there, this might blow your mind here, but he, he wasn't a deep thinker. He didn't have an overlying strategy here other than to just try to oppress and terrorize every other tribe in the world. No, yeah, and it's funny that you say that because uh, from what our boy says over here, General Butt Naked, is sometimes I would uh, enter the, under the water where children were playing. I would dive under and grab them under and carry them and break their necks. So he would just like <laughs> swoop up from the water like an alligator. Basically, and he would he would basically say, I'd cause accidents sometimes, and then I'd just slaughter them. I He admitted this in January of 2008. So one, oh God, this is hard to process. So this guy, who was supposed to be like an army's leader, would just like fuck off into the night. Yeah. Dive into the water and snatch little kids under the surface. Basically. How did nobody realize, like, there's a rather large man swimming about the waves taking her children? He's also naked. He doesn't blend into much. He's a huge guy. He's bigger than I am. He's bigger than the both of us. He's he's not exactly going to be stealth. He's probably just, like, doggy paddling around no, fucking yeah. kids. Up. I really wonder how the kids didn't fucking see him coming. Like, I wonder if he just, like, saw him from afar and was like, there they are. That's why I think he's probably the SEAL Team 6 of... Uh... His fucking uh, no, he hasn't written a book yet. Battle. Oh wait, has, yeah, he did write he a has. book. He so, did write a book. So maybe he is still the little dick brigade that he created. Jesus Christ. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> he really like the the concept of spreading terror um, or the concept of terrorism was Samuel Doe's entire plan, um, which it wasn't working. Um, he was losing ground considerably to Charles Taylor. Um, which we need to actually double back here on Charles Taylor because I know at this point there's probably, you know, one or two people who are listening and they're like, how the fuck are you getting Charles Taylor a pass here? And we're not. Um, Charles Taylor, so everything that we've talked about so far that Samuel Doe has done, that Tolbert did, that Butt Naked did, Charles Taylor did it three or four times over. Um, Taylor's use of child soldiers was somehow even more widespread to the point they're the backbone of his entire army. Uh, he also engaged in human sacrifice, cannibalism, and burying pregnant women alive. Yeah. Uh, he also uh, blazed a trail in using HIV-positive fighters of his as a weapon, unleashing them into villages to rape fight- enemy fighters' wives and spread the disease to them, and would not kill them afterwards, meaning... You know, husbands would come back from the fighting. Um, you know, people would get fresh with one another, as married couples do, and then they'd spread the disease. Eh, can so, you call it chemical warfare? It'd be biological warfare. Biological, there we go. There I we mean, go. if Genghis Khan can chuck plague bodies over walls and it'd be considered biological warfare, this... It's a form? It's, it's like biological warfare on a shoestring budget. You know, Charles Taylor to took what he had and he worked with it, which was like oh. modern humanity's most awful disease. Yeah. Um, so all this brutality eventually brought in international mediation, as it normally does. This time, it was the form of the Economic Community of Western African States, or ECOWAS, quite possibly the only organization more useless than the UN. 
It was a 16-member group that deployed a joint military intervention to try to quell the otherworldly chaos taking place across the country. So that was the end of the madness, right? Like, you just tied up a neat little bow. It's all over, right? Good to go. Oh, God, no. God, no. <laughs> um, so Taylor's second in command, a man by the name of Prince Johnson. Hold on. <laughs> he commanded his own fancily named army, which was... He had his own little faction. So it's close to the uh, original faction, the OGs, the United Liberation Movement of Liberia for Democracy, the ULIMO. And he made his own United Liberation Movement for Liberia for Democracy dash Johnson faction. So he had his own little thing going on. He had to start his own brand. So once Johnson forces penetrated the remnants of uh, once sorry once Johnson's forces penetrated the city of Monrovia, uh, the remnants of the Liberian army and all of its allies, to include our friend General Butt Naked, ran for the hills. And this is where things get kind of weird. Butt Naked stopped fighting from just about here on out. He, according to him, he did not fight in the second portion of the Liberian Civil War, which is a little weird. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't say when exactly he stopped fighting. There's no record of when he stopped fighting. Um, but he does say uh, for the first time um, when the when uh, people were shooting at him, he felt fear. And uh, like it shook his very belief system because clearly the devil isn't protecting him anymore. And this and the devil he meets with uh, regularly, like on a weekly, like they have a schedule. They like, got a schedule. They go see. Like, they they have, like, go a have lunch. They schedule brunch you know? every Saturday. Maybe hit some mimosas. Yeah, uh, but their mimosas are full of like fingers, and um, they're really into it. Yeah, but I think what really happened was uh, for the first time he was getting shot at. Uh, People were actually defending themselves. Yeah. He could have died. And, you know, he was never wounded the whole time. So, I think mean, there's... Not that we know of, at he, least. I have a feeling he would have talked about it. I mean... He talks about everything else. No, you know what? Yeah. But no, it might ruin I, his brand. Later on, I can get... Actually, no, I can get into something after that because I got something. But, uh... So... Um... Sorry, where was I? And to... While we wait... We're going to go ahead and go to our uh, unofficial sponsor, sponsor. Oh, yeah, our unofficial sponsor, Old Crow, um, which is the only Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey with the ability to wash the taste of child genocide out of your mouth. That's right. You heard it from us first. Old Crow gets the genocide out. Really tastes like chemistry. Yeah. Um, so they saw a lost cause and they ran for it. Um, and apparently ECOWAS also saw that this was a lost cause. Instead of fighting on either side of the conflict, they barely fired a shot. They decided the best way to end the whole thing was to simply get rid of Samuel Doe, which is, you know, can, you can hardly argue with that. Um, they promised him a safe passage to any one of the 16 member States and he could remain in exile for the rest of his life. Doe refused. Instead, he insisted that he was the rightful president and um, no, nothing else could, uh, could compete with that. Uh, so on 9 September 1990, Doe was attending um, Doe was attending another meeting at the ECOWAS headquarters at the port of Monrovia around the same time. And mysteriously, nobody knows how, a contingent of Johnson's rebel army was there waiting for him. Um, <laughs> now, here's the thing. Like I said before, ECOWAS is armed. 
Are you, you mean the ULIMO dash J? I guess. <laughs> um, so ECOWAS is armed to the teeth. They have tanks, they have artillery, they have helicopters. Um, but, yep, surprise, there's Johnson's army just sitting there waiting uh, for Doe. Basically, Johnson's ULIMO dash J. Why do you do this? For him. <laughs> um, uh, what took place next could really only be described as a massacre of Doe's forces. Um, but, you, the, of course, the the standard bearers of African democracy, ECOWAS, stopped this, right? Right, Nick? Probably. No, you'd, no? you'd be no? so wrong. What? They actually just ran. No, um, no way. Yeah, who would have thought, right? <laughs> ECOWAS ran without firing a single shot, um, and the single shot was not fired at them. So, uh, you know, conspiracy theory here. They knew that they couldn't get rid of Doe peacefully, so they got rid of him in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> and get rid of him. A they, under the table deal. Yeah, and get rid of him. They sure did. Um, what took place next might accurately be described as the first snuff film starring a head of state. Um, the only other one I can actually think of is uh, the time Muammar Gaddafi got sodomized with a knife in the street. Um, <laughs> which spawned Gaddafi. A, yeah, which spawned a internet meme. Which I th- Tosh. Yeah, I don't. It's really weird to think that a guy getting stabbed to death up the butt in the street in Libya spawned an internet meme, but uh, the 21st century is garbage, and that happened. It did. Um, and it ran rapid, rapid through my high school. <laughs> Your high school is awful. I know it was. <laughs> a supervisor got shot in the head while I was there. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Over a bag of weed. Ellie's on a different planet. Um, anyway. Something else. Johnson, with his feet kicked up on the desk of the ECOWAS headquarters and drinking a fucking Budweiser. Like, he's literally just sitting there, <laughs> slam back tall boys on his film. His feet fucking kicked up. And um, you hear fucking old boy in the back. Screaming like, in pain. Literally, yeah. I'll talk, I'll talk. Yeah. And you hear... Um, Doe, uh, Doe is screaming for his life and Johnson is laughing. Yeah, no, Johnson says, I don't want to kill you. I don't want to kill you. He, and Doe knows he's going to die. I think Doe knew exactly yeah, what knew was was going to happen to him when he said Johnson yeah. walked through that door. Yeah, it's like knew. record scratch. So- I bet you're wondering how he got here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while he was drinking his beer, he ordered his men to torture Doe. All while video camera was rolling and the whole thing being broadcasted to Liberian national TV, as well as being secondly stringed through the entire goddamn world. Johnson's men beat Doe, they cut off his fingers, chopped off his ears, sodomized him, and then finally shot him in the head. They finally dismembered his corpse and dragged it through the streets of Monrovia to prove that Doe was no longer protected by black magic. That was really his excuse for that. Not that, I mean, once you go once you go in so deep to cut up a body and drag it through the streets, you can say it's a chase off Barney. Nobody really cares. Yeah. It's pretty clear you're nuts. Yeah. Um, Clips of it are freely available on YouTube, and I would share it on the podcast Twitter page if I didn't feel like getting it suspended permanently. Yeah. I almost believe you could find it on LiveLeak as well. Yeah, you can't find the whole thing on YouTube. You just find the you find the part where uh, Doe's on the ground. Hank, it's it's pretty painful yeah, to watch. Yeah, it off pretty quick. Um, yeah, you don't want to watch the whole thing. But you definitely see the part where he's fucking sitting back, chillaxing, yep. open up a cold one with the I boys. Can, I'll screenshot that, and I'll post it on the page. Oh, they also show the part where he gets his ear cut off. They do, yeah. yeah. Uh, so eventually the UN got involved because ECOWAS was clearly such a magnificent success. Um, and a ceasefire was quickly signed and the war came to an end. At least for a little while. Uh, the second Liberian civil war began 
virtually immediately and would continue all the way until 2003. So whatever happened to our horrible large adult son, General Butt Naked? He found Jesus, of course. Well, what else? What I want to say uh, before this, during the first, I'll air quote this one into the microphone, in the first Liberian Civil War, around 200,000 Liberians had suffered, like, death? Yeah, I'll say that, death. So they were killed. Pretty much. (laughs) Don't know why. They suffered death. I don't know where I was getting... Don't know where I was going with that one. So that's some hard, that's some interesting verbiage there, Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so one out of seventeen of them uh, in Liberia died. One out of seventeen people died. And uh, I believe it is uh, General Butt Naked claims he killed twenty thousand of them. Yeah. Personally, <laughs> he says, "Oh, less than, no more than twenty thousand. I believe he said that's a high number. Yeah, it is. For I mean, for the even uh, though two hundred thousand that died, and for him, out of the hundreds probably of generals that were out there, yeah, probably thousands, at least hundreds of different groups. Yeah. Um. So our boy, but naked, found Jesus. Um. He became a born again Christian and built numerous churches to preach the wonderful gospel of our Lord. Um. He actually, as well as. Becoming a born-again Christian, he became something of a veteran's advocate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> along with the help of General Bin Laden, if you remember him, that we talked about for five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, they began to teach former child soldiers carpentry skills. They fed them and clothed them, while the rest of the country is, for the most part, still completely in ashes. Um, for his part... But naked has been completely upfront and honest with his crimes that he and his army committed during the wars. Uh, though he accepts them, he doesn't accept responsibility for them. He blames them all on his rapport that he had with the devil. <laughs> his um, old boy. Yeah, his uh, his brother from another mother. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I can give him props for that. But I, I, the guy's clearly insane. It's almost like a has type of thing because he's trying – uh, he's trying to help, I guess, in a way, but then he's also not taking responsibility for the shit that he did. And he even says but, he has nightmares about the shit but that he did. Nobody is taking responsibility exactly. for what happened in Liberia, yeah. which we will get into. Um, so, but naked staying trial, right? He sure isn't. He's never actually been asked to stay in trial. Yeah. So he claims he received a pardon, which he did not. Um, nobody yeah. has received a pardon. He claims he received a pardon just for saying he converted. He to claims the, to the Lord. His side. pardon is Jesus based. And yeah. as far as I know, uh, Jesus based pardons are not part of Liberia's constitution. <laughs> he stopped having brunches with the devil on oh, yeah. well, every Saturday or Sunday. Um, another part about this is nobody has been held responsible for the crimes in Liberia. Um, though two people have been arrested. Uh, one of them is a guy named Tom Wohewu, uh, who is one of Charles Taylor's generals, was arrested in Philadelphia, of all places, in 2014. Probably huge Eagles fans. Uh, <laughs> now, before you get too excited, he wasn't arrested for any crimes against humanity. He, he also was, didn't see the Super Bowl. No, he sure didn't. Uh, he probably saw it from prison. Um, he was arrested for lying on his immigration form, not war crimes. Now, what do you think he lied on his immigration form? Do tell me. Uh, for committing war crimes. 
What? Yes. Uh, so when you, uh, this is actually how they got a lot of Nazis uh, through the back door, giggity, giggity, uh, was huh. you have to be completely honest about foreign military service and stuff on immigration forms to include, like, if you fought in any wars, you know, what your capacity of serving was, shit like that. Okay. They all just lie about it because they know that, like, a five-minute search will discover that they're a horrible human being. So they lie on them. Um, so that's how he got got as well. There was another. There was a Nazi not too long ago, I believe in Ohio, named John Demaniuk. They got the same way, where uh, he lied on his immigration form saying that he never served in any capacity for the Nazi government, and he was a fucking death camp guard. Oh, yeah. He uh, he ended up getting charged with like accessory to murder for like one hundred thousand counts. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Tom Mohebu well, mo- good. was found guilty of immigration crimes and sentenced to 70 years. So he will never be held liable for crimes in Liberia. And I know what a lot of you are saying right now. Joe, you stupid motherfucker. Charles Taylor is in prison for war crimes. You'd be right. But those war crimes were in Sierra Leone. Get fucked. <laughs> um, so uh, Charles Taylor was arrested while he was in exile and meant and made to stand trial um one of the things that we talked about earlier was when he mysteriously vanished from jail in massachusetts about that yes uh, this wh- is the best part when he was uh being questioned at the international criminal courts he simply stated the cia got him out of jail i know what you're thinking every asshole on the planet thinks the CIA is responsible for everything. And this is clearly the rantings of a madman. Well, about that. <sighs> Except when the CIA was asked about it, they confirmed they began wa- working with one Charles Taylor in the early 1980s and then promptly refused to comment further for national security reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> And uh, I know what you're saying. What about Charles Ta- Charles Taylor's president of Liberia? He did become president of Liberia. He was elected with the campaign of, and I swear to God this is true, quote, he killed my ma, he killed my pa, but I'm going to vote for him, end quote. That really got to people. And give credit where credit's due. It is the most truth- truthful political slogan I have ever heard. It is. There's no lie about that. No, yeah, and that's why it got to people. They're like, oh, he did. All right, this guy's really honest. Yeah, well, he was eventually deposed uh, at the end of the Second Liberian Civil War and arrested and tried at the International Criminal Courts. He was found guilty of the following charges. Acts of terrorism, murder, rape, violence to life, health and physical or mental well-being of a person, sexual slavery, outrages upon personal dignity, conscripting or enlisting children, enslavement, and pillage. Taylor claimed that he was a victim of all this, and he was innocent uh, because as president of Liberia, he was not able to be charged for crimes because that makes sense, right? Um, He was eventually sentenced to 50 years in prison. 50 years. 50 years. (laughs) And it should be noted that these are for crimes that were committed in the Sierra Leonean Civil War. These were not for the Liberian Civil War. I want to add that uh, the Liberians also voted for him to uh, bring down the bloodshed in their country. It did slow it down considerably, but it did not end. 
Like, shit still happened? Well, it slowed down because the guy causing all the bloodshed was elected president. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was their whole thing. That's like, hey, uh, so if you vote ISIS in 2016, the terrorist attacks will end. Nice. Got my vote. Yeah, well, they earned it. Yeah. Um, So, like I said, uh, there's been virtually no... uh, Anybody has stood trial for any of this. Um, and they never will at this point. They just never will. Uh, the International Criminal Court's a joke. The UN's a bigger joke. And uh, Africa as a continent has kind of said, fuck you to the International yeah. Criminal Court because of reasons like this. Um, kind of gets swept on, under the rug. like Yeah, and people in the West don't really care about it. And no. um, not to bring up a, a different podcast but there's a podcast called last podcast on the left one of my favorites yeah mine too um they describe uh sex workers and um homeless people as the less than dead because not in any disrespect to them but when they're murdered nobody really cares right cops don't look into it too hard it it makes the back page of the newspaper nobody's really less than human yeah they're subhuman because they're out of society it's almost like the the victims of the Liberian Civil War and, at a greater extent, the entire continent of Africa is uh, less than victims. They're less than war victims. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, there you hear about, you know, these tens of thousands of refugees running from the Syrian Civil War. And I'm not trying to distract from, you know, the humanitarian crisis that, that has happened and is happening there. But the fact remains that... Um, Something worse than that has been going on in Africa for decades, and uh, nobody seems to really give a shit. Right? You know, they're they're less than they're 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 not as important refugees. And it's almost like what you said before. It's like a a media blackout. Yeah, that's happened. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, think about think about it this way. Um, there was a genocide in South Sudan in the Darfur region. The UN literally, the whole reason the UN was created was post-World War II. In its charter, it is stated that they will stop genocide yeah. around the world. Right. And they have promptly not stopped a single fucking genocide ever since. Um, because it was a European genocide. Um, oh. They, 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 you know, after, after um, World War II, they were outraged that a genocide could happen in in Europe, and want to know what happened when there was a genocide in Kosovo, and everybody got involved again. Yeah. Um, when there's a genocide in Rwanda, when Samuel Doe and Charles Taylor are running rampant through the the countryside of Liberia, when you know Charles Taylor's forces are chopping people's hands off in Sierra Leone, people's the, heads are getting chopped off to play fucking soccer, and people are being eaten. Yeah. Uh, well, we all we could be outraged forever about this but um the fact remains is uh i would say the world community could do better but it's almost like since the dawn of time that we have been on a runaway message to only prove that no wait it gets worse (laughs) um my beer yeah so uh say that god (laughs) that only works if you're prince johnson (laughs) um oh that's our podcast you mean the united liberation movement of Liberia? No, I mean the United Democratic Freedom Forces of Space. It probably make a lot more sense too. <laughs> it makes just Space as Force. Much sense. Um, so that's our podcast. Um, 
rate and review us on iTunes, please. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at lions underscore by. You can follow me at jcast99. You can follow me, Nick, at nickcastm1. And by the time this podcast comes out, my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, will be published. Um, comes out on Thursday, which is tomorrow, actually. Um, oh, you gave it the day we record. Yeah. Buy and uh, review it if you would. Um, Thanks did, for the Patreon. Yeah. Holy that, shit. Yeah. We uh, outclipsed what we thought we were going to make in total in one day. Yeah, we were like, fuck. Um so, like I said before, our podcast will always be free. We'll never charge of for course. it. But if you think what we do is worth a buck, um, we actually, I, I tried to make it 50 cents and Patreon wouldn't let me. So I actually tried to make it worth less for you, um, but uh, Patreon wouldn't let me. So if you think it's worth a dollar, throw us a dollar. Um, we will do everything we can to use that money to pay for more equipment. Just the podcast. Yeah, just pay for equipment, pay for server prices. It's either for podcaster old crow yeah until they give us that sponsorship yeah bastards old crow drink her old crow it's made out of real crows um it's anyway. brewed in a boot what's that brewed in a boot it's brewed in a boot i think you said it's brewed in a butt i think i said that at first <laughs> caught myself halfway through i'm fucking heat stroke yeah fucking i am sweating so much i'm sweating um anyway uh, thank you for tuning in this week, and we will see you next time. Later.